Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows firsthand how VR training platforms like ForgeFX can help meet the demand for skilled workers. Anywhere you go look, there's going to be a shortage of welders. VR training can help welding students learn the skills they need to begin and advance in their career. The beauty of virtual reality is it simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Explore more stories like Alex's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. Welcome to Hollywood and Levine. I am Ken Levine, your intrepid podcast host. And this week, my guest is actress Penny Pizer. Now, you may not know the name, but you've seen her. She has been in a lot of things. She's been in 54 different movies or TV shows. She was actually a series regular on Crazy Like a Fox and also the Tony Randall Show. She has been in such great movies as All the President's Men and The In-Laws. And if you're a guy of a certain age, you were in love with Penny Pizer. Well, she's got an interesting story to tell, and she also has a new career as a writer. She writes sonnets, of all things, and she has a book of her sonnets called Sonnets from Suburbia, More Candles Than Cake. We will talk about that and the career of Penny Pizer this week on Hollywood and Levine. Well, I'm always interested in origin stories. It seems that no two actors broke in the same way. Where'd you grow up and how did you first decide that you wanted to become an actress? Well, I grew up in Irvington, New York, home of Washington Irving. Um, my parents loved musical theater. And when I was six years old, my dad took me in to see a production, a matinee of My Fair Lady, starring Julie Andrews and Rex Harrison. Mm. And I looked at that and I said, I want that. I want to do that. So did you ever meet began... Julie Andrews later? I I never did, but I have a lovely signed picture of her that I sent in a little fan letter when she was in Camelot and I got a signed picture back from her when wow. I was what my mice must have been nine or ten when I got that. So wow. Very uh, oh, cool. and I I met her. Yeah, I met her at Gary Marshall's uh, memorial service in person. But, mm -hmm. uh, okay. And, and I got to be the millionth person who said, oh, because of you, dot, 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 you know. <laughs> and she said, she said, well, I hope you've had a happy life. <laughs> so, anyway, so that that's how my interests started. And um, uh, after I was a theater major and after school, I moved to New York and started doing commercials, started waitressing and um, and then I started working off Broadway. And my first equity job was uh, The Hot Ale Baltimore by Lanford Wilson, which was a great gig. Yeah. And and it was just wonderful. I mean, I did about 200 shows and it was just a joy. And um, after it closed, oh, and, well, and I did, I guess in 1975, I shot that scene I had in All the President's Men. And a year later when it came out, there was nothing, nowhere to really market that in New York. Because at the time, there was so little going on in New York film-wise. So I came out to California just for the summer and I never left. Talk about All the President's Men. Uh, that's quite a movie to break in on. But you almost didn't get the job, right? Robert Redford didn't want you in the part. Yeah, he almost sank my ship. 
Um, well, Bob, as I like to call him, um, uh, I met him after my audition. Uh, I had gotten to you know sit alone with Dustin Hoffman and Alan Pakula, which would never happen today for a day role in a, in a major motion picture. And and they flew me down for the audition from New York, wow. with no credit, you know, no credits. Um, and they, and they, there was one other actress who they were flying down, and she didn't show up for some reason. So, you know, <laughs> good for me. Um, anyway, so I had this, you know, audition, which went very well. I was scared to death, but was able to use my nerves. (laughs) And, um, anyway, so as I I was leaving, I got tapped on the shoulder. I turned around and Alan Pakula said, oh, Penny, meet, uh, meet Bob. And I said, uh, hi, Bob. (laughs) I was just, (sighs) and we shook hands and he said, oh, what a firm handshake you have. And Alan Pakula said, well, that's because her. Her dad's a congressman and, you know, she was raised to not give a fishy That's handshake. Right. Your dad was a congressman for quite some time, wasn't he? Yeah, actually, not as long as I wish he had been or he wishes he had been. He served uh, four non-consecutive terms in the House okay. uh, as a representative from New York. Um, but anyway, so I said, you know, nice to meet you. And I turned away to walk back to the airport. <laughs> well, <laughs> go back to the airport. And allegedly, I got told the story by the casting director. Uh, Hoffman immediately turned to her and said, I don't like her. And she goes, why? Why? What's what's the matter? She just read with Dustin for Alan, and they think she's right. For... He goes, she's not an actress. She's a congressman's daughter. And he was he was so uptight about anyone, anyone interfering with the integrity of his film um, because, you know, he thought, oh, you know, I, I, someone in the film who's got some tie to politics, that just doesn't feel right. Anyway, so they, they talked him down. And uh, I, I carried on, fortunately. <laughs> well, c- congratulations. Um, oh, thanks. <laughs> 50 years later, whatever it is. <laughs> so you come to L.A. and you quickly get a job in Rich Man, Poor Man Part 2, and you had a major mm-hmm. role in that. You must be thinking this Hollywood thing is pretty easy. Yeah. What are they talking about? It's such a struggle. Yeah. <laughs> I, I got the struggle, believe me. But, um, well, I, yeah, I was, it was really kind of amazing. Uh, and, and I, I was so naive too. And, and I, I suppose in some ways my naivete worked in my favor and some ways not. Um, and they don't even use they don't really use the word ingenue anymore, do they, Ken? I don't, I don't, I don't hear so. it. Yeah. No, young actress, you know, or young actor. I see I've, I've even goofed there. Yeah. Um, there used to be this book, The uh, Actor's Directory. And, you know, when you were trying to cast a show, you would go through this. And it was like a thick book, just like a, um, a, phone, book. Know, a phone book. And there was a section called ingenues which were young actresses and you'd mm-hmm. go through there and there would be 60 year old women who had their high school pictures and were still considering themselves ingenues. Going, I don't think wait a I minute. was aware of that somehow. Yeah, I, you know, wait, Joan Crawford is still an ingenue. What? She, she just did, <laughs> you know, <laughs> baby Jane, what's going on here? So yeah, I don't think they do ingenues anymore. 
No, but it, it's interesting. Uh, but I was in every sense of the word. And um, I don't want to say stupid exactly, but just very, very naive. Green. And, uh, you were green. Uh, very green. There and you go. I, I, but I knew enough to know how fortunate I was. And it was just, it was a gas, you know. Uh, I met my first uh, wrong husband on, <laughs> on that show. <laughs> You should have met the rich man instead of the poor man. Yeah, right. But I I do. I do have a fabulous son because of that. Um, So not for nothing. Um, Yeah. Anyway, so and and then the following year, um, it seemed that every series I did didn't go more than a year and a half, a season and a half, which was a shame. But um, the season after that, I did the Tony Randall show. Now, that's interesting because you replaced a character. Uh, you and I just missed each other on the Tony Randall show. Yeah, I was on the drag. I was on the Tony Randall show the first year. You were on the second, and the first year actress Devon Scott, who was George C. Scott's daughter. You mm-hmm. probably were not going to do a movie with George C. Scott after this, but <laughs> uh, how weird was it coming into an existing show replacing an established character? You know something? When I talk about naive, I didn't. I didn't give it a thought. I didn't mm. give it a thought. No one directed me, and you know, no one told me there were certain things I needed to do to kind of mesh with what she had done before. I never heard a word. You were a very different character than she was. Yes, yes. Well, we we're just two different people. You're very that's all. two different people, exactly. Yeah. Um, how was it working with Tony Randall? And for people who don't know, you might remember the, the TV show, The Odd Couple. He played Felix Unger, and he was a terrific actor. And he was very much Felix Unger in many ways. Yes. Um, I You know, I so, so often you look back, I mean, to work with, I've just been so lucky the people I've worked with. Um, I mean, Tony... I mean, if I was working with him today, I mean, there are just so many more questions I would have asked him. And I just always would have been poking him for information and and stuff. Um, you know, he was my dad's age. Um, and uh, we you know, we had a we had a nice uh, father daughter relationship. He kind of uh, certainly put me in my place. I don't know what place I was trying to be in, but he. <laughs> You know, I mean, suggestions were not encouraged, you know, and I made that mistake (laughs) once. Once I made that mistake, Um, we were sitting around his dressing room reading uh, the script and he seemed to be making or opening up a conversation about the script or the scene or something. And I I don't I have no I don't remember what it was about. I chimed in with something. And he held up the script and he says, what does it say right there? And I said, it says the Tony Randall show. <laughs> and that's, that was, that was it. I, I said, okay, got it. I yeah. will not open my mouth on anything remotely like this again. He memorized the entire script. He knew everyone else's lines. Yeah. Which yeah. must have been unnerving because if you go up on a line you know, the actor, it's not even his line and he has it right and and you don't. Well, uh, you know, I know it used to drive some of the other actors crazy. 
Well, I have to say that I never didn't know my lines. There you go. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> I, I got uh, I got direct I got criticism from him, but not on the dialogue. You know, so. <laughs> Tell you Those when, are the days when I didn't forget my lines. <laughs> I'll tell you one Tony Randall story. So he was standing with a group of us writers one day, and he was talking about the cat skills and when he was starting out. And he mentioned how he and another group of actors would spend a summer at one of those Catskill resorts. And he said, you know, we would be waiters during the day and at night we would perform shows. And he said, the husbands would usually leave on Sunday night and go back into the city to work and come back on Friday night. And all of these young 30-something horny wives would be left alone from Monday to Friday and it was like fish in a barrel. It was oh so easy to get laid. Wow. Said, How many times do you think I got laid that summer? Like, oh, man, that's a loaded question. And like, I don't know, Tony, 20, 30, not once. I was an actor. Oh, because actors don't get laid. Exactly. I was an actor. And we're like, okay, Tony, you were a schmuck. Uh, (laughs) But that's not the only time you replaced an actor. No. Talk about the in-laws. Well, um, that's just, that was just another, you know, wonderful opportunity I had to work with some amazing people. Um. I auditioned for Arthur Hiller for the role of the daughter, Alan Arkin's daughter in The In-Laws. And it was one of the few times in my life where I thought, you know, I'm I'm really right for this. I, I think I might get this. I know I didn't usually ever, you know, I was always hoping, but I, I, I sort of felt like I got this. And then I did not get cast. And I was like, hmm, oh, moving on. And so then cut to month later, whatever, I'm out to dinner and dirty hair and dirty jeans and sitting in some casual place. And I get my beeper, my beeper goes off. I run to a phone booth. <laughs> Kids, we had beepers and phone booths. Um, and I call my agent and she goes, you got to go to Warner Brothers right now. And I'm like, but it's, it's six 30. What, what? Cause yeah, they want you you're replacing the daughter and the in-laws and you got to go in for a costume fitting. They want you on the set tomorrow at five in the morning. I was like, okay then. So got in the car, drove to Warner brothers, poked my head in the door and there was Alan and Arthur. And I don't know. Oh, oh one of the other producers. I don't think uh, Andrew Bergman was there, but anyway, and I said, you know, Hey guys. And they had the wedding gown and tried it, tried it on. And I, I said to Arthur, I said, you know, I, I kind of thought you were going to cast me. I was surprised you didn't cast me. And Arthur said, yeah, we were too. <laughs> we're surprised we didn't cast you. And, uh, but the gal I replaced has done just fine. We don't have to have any, any luncheons for her. It's Fran Drescher. Okay. Again, two very different, you and Fran Drescher. Oh yeah. Yeah. And, <laughs> I don't I mean, see you going up for the same roles very no, often. I don't think ever. And they, you know, they they were in the days when you used to have Polaroids when the they would, you know, the makeup trailer would be filled with Polaroids. Uh 
uh, you know, so they, someone showed me a picture of her in the wedding gown because they had shot the wedding sequence or they tried to. Um, and she had insisted on wearing her own wedding gown. That was one of the problems. <laughs> it was very striking. Um, but anyway, it, it, there were several reasons which I was told about, which I won't bother mentioning because she's done just fine, that Fran Drescher. You touched on it a moment ago, being rejected and saying, okay, time to move on. Uh, how hard is it to just go up on auditions? And even though, you you know, you've done, according to IMDb, 54 different shows or movies, multiple episodes in many of them. But still, how do you deal with with the rejection? It's just so part of your world. Um, certainly when I was younger, uh, it was harder. Uh, I, I would say in the, you know, when I was the most active in my career, really before I became a mother, uh, <laughs> it was, it was, it was hard. I would, I would get bummed, you know, about not getting certain roles. Of course, some, you know, you care about more roles, some roles more than others, of course. Uh, but you know, the older you get, I mean, it, it's just, I don't know. I, I, I couldn't be this age and, and be, you know, getting upset about things like that. Uh, now it's just too much that life is too full. I, there's just too many real things to get disturbed about other than that. And it's not to say, it's not that I don't care at all. Um, I care a lot, but I just letting go is is much easier at this age. We traded emails a couple of days ago asking about some of the things that we're talking about. And you mentioned in the email streaking. What What is oh. streaking? Okay, you, you don't know what streaking is? <laughs> I know what streaking is, oh. but I, I don't know oh, how okay. that applies to you. I just, yeah. It, it, and your I, career. You know, I said that to get a cheap laugh. Uh, oh, oh, so no, no, but I so, no, so but you didn't it, didn't no, streak did. on all the president's men. Oh no, no, no. <laughs> oh, okay. No, never on in film. Tony wow. Randall didn't streak uh, the audience. I never had Tony those Ra- kind of balls or ovaries. Uh. Um. Oh my gosh, no, that was that was in reference to uh, the seventies in New York when streaking was really kind of a thing. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, there were a couple of off Broadway shows that. I ran naked across the stage. But, but she got paid for it at least. Yeah, well, well, no, they were other people's shows. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. In fact, I, in fact, I organized, I, I'm kind of proud of this because it was just one of those youthful things. And, you know, I talked my fellow chorus girls, I was in a wonderful musical off-Broadway called Diamond Studs, had it been handled right it would still be running it was it was family friendly we got great reviews i mean barishnikov was in the audience one night i mean it was just a great little show um anyway so i was in the chorus and uh i talked we we did you know two shows on saturday and i discovered that in between our first and second show one of our doors to our dressing room literally opened onto the stage of the downstairs little cabaret theater. We were upstairs in the theater and there was a downstairs theater. And I had seen their show and I realized 
that right when we were between shows in our dressing room, there was a great entry point to come for girls to come in screaming just for two seconds. I And I got this idea, let's get squirt guns. I, I don't know what, where this all came from, Ken. <laughs> um, I gave everyone squirt guns. And first I talked them into just doing it topless. I said, I said, no one will look at your face. They'll never know it's you. They will not. It's completely anonymous. I talked, you know, eight girls into doing this. And there was a, there was a line in this little cabaret show where they were doing something with the audience and they'd go, and we will tolerate no rowdy behavior. And that was our cue. And we just would burst onto the stage, squirting the guy with squirt guns, half nude, and then disappear back into our dressing room. And the audience was just like, and it was so much fun. I, the following week, I talked everyone into just taking their clothes off. Uh, my respect for you has no bounds after oh, hearing this story. I love was, that. It was great. It, it was, I, I must, I just got to say, it was so silly and so anonymous. You know, it just was, it was just the perfect, perfect little thing. The end. What is the role that you always wanted to play? Well, I wanted to play Juliet. That's okay. not going to happen. Gonna... <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's reserved um, for ingenues. Yeah, no, I was, you know, I'm a big, like millions of others, I'm a big Shakespeare aphile. And uh, yeah, I worked very hard on that role. Uh, in class, in college, I was ready. I just, you know, and uh, yeah, I just didn't end up doing the play. Now, I hope you were going to say Karen from Big Wave Dave's, our series, but okay, Shakespeare. Oh, oh. oh so Shakespeare helps us segue into your current venture. Mm -hmm. uh, you have a book out called Sonnets from Suburbia, More Candles Than Cake. And I know this started really as as a series of videos. How did you how did you come to writing and performing sonnets of all things? I know. Well, doesn't everybody? Um... Yeah, I know. But but like I said, everyone has their <laughs> own unique breaking into sonic story. Yeah, so I want to sure hear they, yours. They do. Yeah. Okay, mine is. I was in uh, about. 12 years ago, I want to say I was in a uh, Shakespeare acting class, Shakespearean acting class at the Antius Theater, very well-known, mm -hmm. um, respected classic uh, theater company. Anyway, I was in a class um, and the, the late Gregory Itzen was my teacher in this iteration of the class. And so we had an assignment one week to go home and write a sonnet just, and it was just by way of getting more up close and personal with iambic pentameter. And, um, so I went home and I wrote a sonnet and I thought, oh, that was fun. And so I wrote three more and I came back to class the next week and I said, teacher, teacher, I wrote four sonnets. And he <laughs> said, that's great. Read one, Penny. Um, it was such a killjoy. Um, so I just kept, I had so much fun. I just kept writing them and pretty soon I had a hundred and then I started. A hundred, wow. Uh, well, I've got 597 currently and counting. Um, but so I just kept writing them and, uh, I've, I've always loved rhyming and my whole life. I've always, um, uh, 
taken a lot of pleasure in writing gag songs for people for birthdays and, you know, just that kind of uh-huh. casual stuff. And then I, but I just, it just kind of took hold of me. I love the form and I, I love taking an old form and talking about modern topics within the form. It just it was amusing to me. And so I started, you know, early years ago, started submitting uh, to publishers and stuff. And I started getting, I had a, over the years, I've had a bunch of sonnets published in, you know, uh, poetry journals, uh, but I couldn't get anyone uh, uh, to take the book, take on the book. And one nice publisher who rejected me said, you know, you're an actress and why don't you try to get some kind of online presence with these things? Why don't you do some videos or, you know, and I thought, "Hmm, okay, I'll try that. And then I came up with the idea of the costume and the name Lady Penelope and, and, you know, just went on from there. And dozens and dozens of people have been to my YouTube website. Dozens. Wow. Wow. I know. But you would go out in this elaborate Elizabethan costume and you would go to like shopping malls and, and you (laughs) would do these sonnets. It must've been fun watching the people watch you well you want to know something this is la and people don't give a darn (laughs) i want to to tell you because you know i was um i mean you're never more anonymous in a way than when you're in a costume it's like streaking Mm -hmm. (laughs) um and you know i you know when i first stepped out in public in the costume i i felt a teeny bit self-conscious but that vanished, you know, in five minutes because people, they see it, they see someone in a costume, they're around here, you know, maybe in the Midwest or someplace where they don't have a lot of things shooting or blah, blah, blah. They, but, you know, I mean, I think I had one person come up to me and go, oh, are you shooting something? And I went, yeah. Um, and at Starbucks, I went in, we shot a little thing in Starbucks and the gal said, uh, oh, what are you doing? I said, I'm on a coffee break. So... Um, that was, um, but it was amazing. I really only had one fun reaction from a person when I did a little shot on the carousel at the mall, a little, a sweet little girl, you know, looked at the, of course, looked at the costume and was like, sure. oh, she's a, she's a princess. I mean, she was so sweet. She was like, <gasps> and I really enjoyed that. But other than that, man, nothing. And this is this is L.A. You know, two people are standing in a mall and one says, so how do I get to the gap? And he says, well, you just go to the uh, the woman in costume and then make a left. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I mean, yeah, I'm due to go back to the mall. I have to shoot some more stuff at some point. Um, But, um, yeah, it's I mean, you know, it used to be. if you went into like Trader Joe's with a camera, camera, you'd get stopped immediately. Uh, when I was doing my still point documentary, that poster in the back of me, uh, that your audience cannot see, um, I, I had some sequences in, uh, uh, in uh, Trader Joe's and immediately, you know, it was a big thing. But now, and that was before the cell phone thing was so ubiquitous, at least shooting with your cell phone was so ubiquitous. Uh, right. Because now, you know, I've done stuff at Gelson's in my costume and no one, no one says anything, you know, and I have someone 
following me with a, the, a phone and people just think, oh, well, because people post stuff all the time. This is me buying celery. You know, they, so they don't, aside from the fact that I'm dressed funny, they don't think about it. They thought, oh, good. It's good for our brand. Someone realizes you're in Gelson's, what's the harm? Did you go up to a, a worker at Gelson's and say, which aisle is the mutton on? Oh, that's good. I'll do that next time. <laughs> I have a sonnet that ends in mutton somewhere. Okay. So uh, you did find a publisher, and I'm going to put you on the spot to read a couple of your sonnets. Sure. I'd be happy to. Um, do you have any requests? or do you just... No, no. You just pick out a couple that, that you like. Okay. Let's see. And then when you have one on podcasting, I'll have you back and read that one. Oh, I can I could have one on podcasting by next week. Hmm. Um <clears throat> podcasts. Well, things rhyme with pod. Podcast. Okay, I'll work on that. I'll work on that, Ken. Okay. 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 Here's one called Oops. For those of you following along, it's on page 72 of Sonnets from Suburbia More Candles and Cake. Hmm. A glimmer unfamiliar made me note the sweet affection in his merry eyes. I did return his gaze as if by rote, forgetting that my years made this unwise. I suddenly remembered I had breasts and stood a little straighter by reflex. Despite the fear of facing dire inquests, I actually considered having sex. A sudden red light warning crossed his guard as my too eager smile upon him played. I could have sworn he held me in regard until I recognized he was dismayed. Oh, no, he stammered. Thought you were another. Excuse me, ma'am, but don't you know my mother? <laughs> all right. And for all the listeners out there who say there's no culture. On this fucking podcast. There you go. We read sonnets over here at Hollywood and Levine. That's a great one. Give me another one. Okay. Do you want, um, should we stay in the amusing vein or you want a pensive one? Uh, whichever one you want oh. to do. Um, well, I'll read one in the same. Okay. All right. This is called PC Hell. Okay. Okay. What topics to discuss when one's unsure of microscopic sensitivities, when all parties involved are insecure because of some unknown proclivities? Just opening one's mouth involves a risk, and so the throat is called the ring of fear. A gaff necessitates an exit brisk, or could, if verbal arrows fly too near... A compliment can turn into a wound, a merry greeting taken as a front. So easy to be socially lampooned. Say one wrong thing, they might call you a bad person. <laughs> Our conversation oft requires a plan. Let's talk about the weather, because we can. Very good. All right. Thank you, sir. Uh, okay. Uh where can somebody purchase this book? At the moment, Sonnets from Suburbia is available exclusively, aside from at my house, uh, on Amazon. 
Uh, it's available in Kindle form. Uh, I'm still in my introductory period. Prices are going up a little bit. Little Uh-oh. Bit All right, get them now. But currently, Kindle version is 99 cents. If you subscribe to Kindle Unlimited, it's zip. And then there's a paperback, of course. Um, anyway, makes a great gift, I'm told, by some of my female friends who like to give hostess gifts. Um, anyway, uh, yeah, Amazon. Amazon's where it's at. It's real easy. Just type in Sonnets from Suburbia or my name and you will find it. You have to do the audio book. I recorded it last week. Okay. So, so that'll that be would, coming out. That'll be yeah. out. Yeah, that'll be out uh, uh, probably late April. Okay, and, uh, later and this gonna, month. And I'm going to run a special on that. Um, I'm going to run a special. If you buy the paperback, you get a free audiobook for probably a week. So that's Very a good cool. deal. Penny, this has been a delight. Thank you oh, so thank much. You. Likewise. Well, I always love talking to you and what fun to do it on your podcast. Thanks and good luck with the book. Keep writing them sonnets. I will. I think the next one might come out in the summer. So, Fantastic. Thanks, Penny. You're welcome, Ken. Bye. Her most important credit we didn't mention. Oh, man. Uh, And it's the one she's the most proud of, too. She was in a 10-minute play that I wrote. So uh, that's Penny Pizer. Again, her book is Sonnets from Suburbia, More Candles Than Cake. It's available on Amazon. And that will do it for this week. Our thanks, as always, to Adam and Susie Meister-Butler, to Howard Hoffman, Bruce and Jason Miller. If you want to reach me, my email address is hollywoodlevine at outlook.com. That's hollywoodlevine at outlook.com. And you don't have to write a sonnet. You can just drop me a note. I'm also available on Instagram, Hollywood and Levine, where you can check out some of my cartoons. Again, thanks so much for listening. We will see you next week right here on Hollywood and Levine.